0: Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio.
1: Clipcentral.com.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. This girl is on fire. I've got Fiend on the line. She is burning it up at DIFF, the Durban International Film Festival. As you know by now that we, uh, Sia was out there last week, um, also burning it up. And he, he's gonna be putting up the podcast a little bit later on, but, My friend is on the line. Hello, loading.
0: Hello people of one
2: mind. Love. <laughs> this is us, baby. This is us. I know. Thank you for taking the time. Né? Thank you for taking no the problem. time. I know you're like on panels, you're putting presentations together, you're editing stuff, you're all over the place, but thank you for taking the time to come and chat with us. You're out there no you're at the Durban International Film Festival and it's this year's, it's, it's in its 36th year. So when I looked at that, I thought, really? 36 years? Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know that about this. This is one of Africa's premier 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 film festivals and you're out there checking it out what is the feeling on the ground is it the same as when we were talking to mahanu a couple of weeks ago and she was at can
0: it's obviously nothing like can and that's okay <laughs> um, i don't think any film festival is like can um those that explain what can is like no but this this is the premier. I would go ahead and say this is the premier film festival on the continent because the kind of programming they have, and by that I mean the selection of films that they have here, is um, exceptional. You know, I've been to many film festivals where I'm like, I really don't want to watch anything on the program. And the really big films are like proper Hollywood premieres that you can barely get into, which means it's not accessible to the general public. But this is like that. Um, although you may be registered as a a delegate uh, to a guest festival, the people that buy the tickets to watch the films have first preference. So when you get there, and they can put you on a guest list if there is space. Otherwise, um, the general public is active. So if you want to come and you're a cinephile um, or an Afro-cine fiend, you should come and you'd be able to see films that you might never ever see. Because a lot of them are independent films. It's not Hollywood films. It's not Transformers or anything like that. They're likely, you know, to get a nice feel. It's like, a, you know, something like eating a 10-course meal where you're so full, you just want to sleep on the floor of the restaurant kind of thing.
2: Wow. And is it all films from the continent or and South Africa? Or is it films from all over the world? It's films from
0: all over the world. Of course, they're looking for films that have uh, a pan-African um subject but really it's about showcasing the films that are doing the rounds on the film festivals right now that are doing exceptionally well and they get to bring them to Durban. Unfortunately I haven't been able to see not one film but that is not unusual my coming to this. So um <laughs> but I do know and I haven't even had a chance to look at the program but because it was just gonna make me feel bad that I can't see any of the films.
2: So you're out there, like a lot of local producers, out mm-hmm. pitching ideas, pitching films. What is what is that like? What is that entail? So, so what the, the process is that uh, being a film festival,
0: it can if has got a market, and what they do is people send in proposals from all over the continent to become part of the market, which actually started last week Thursday before the opening night of the festival. And what they do is like they organize.
2: You have to stand virtual. still because the light, We we keep losing you a little bit. I am standing still. St- stand still, Don't move around. Just, just talk nice and See loudly. Now? Yeah, much better. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is
0: um, the market uh, pairs the projects that have been chosen with interested producers or parties or networks or distributors. And they for all of these individuals, and they get to pitch their projects. And then there is also oh. um, projects to large audience, to many people who haven't, regi- who haven't set up appointments specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they give awards for the best pitch, for the best idea. And our colleague, Norman Magee, who you went to afterwards, who's become a renowned uh, uh, commercials director, but is still, of course, interested in making films, won the best pitch i saw that so yeah (laughs) so he got a i think a distribution deal as well as a development um award basically what that means is he gets to um attend uh i forgot the name of it but he's attending a particular development uh workshop process that takes place over a year in europe i forgot the name of it but he, there he was, like our boy
2: Vincent. We're like, yeah. I mean, not Vincent, Norman. <laughs> Go Norman. Oh wow. And he did well. And, and what about if you're just, you're, wait, I, I want to hear about Buopai. You guys are hosting, um, tonight? Tonight or tomorrow yeah. night? So well, this,
0: so this afternoon we're going to be doing a company presentation on our NSVF, uh, funded documentary Slate. Um, and then we're also going to be doing a call for submissions for our second year for the documentary slate. So our documentary slate with the NFVF is a three year long process in which we are supposed to produce three documentaries over the three years. And the first year we were we used it as a completion year to complete projects that we already had um, on our own personal slate. And and so we're about to go into production for the first one, which is a documentary about transformation in rugby, uh, basically using the fraternity of rugby as a litmus test for race relations in South Africa. Um, And then now, second year, we're calling it the collaboration year. So we started with completion year, and now it's collaboration year, and it's really about going on, uh, um, joining forces with the pre-existing project. For producers that are having issues in seeking funds or securing funds for their documentaries, and we come on board as co-producers and we see them through all the way to distribution, So, and also maybe raising more funds. Um, So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a presentation this afternoon about year one, and then we're going to make a call for submissions for year two, and that's going to go up on our website. I mean, on our Facebook page, the application form is an online application form. It's really, really simple. we just want to hear the basics of uh what your project is about and then of course the next step would be us interviewing those that have been selected. So our our website, our company F B page is Bopa Productions Ltd. You should be able to find it pretty easy. The name is P U O
2: P U O P H A. Baal. P U O P H A Pro
0: P-U-O-P-H-A Productions. And how long is the calling
2: it? like it is telling like cool it like it is that's it we we'll to those voices mhm and tell me for um people that aren't at Durban um international film festival can they still submit if i'm just i'm listening to the show i'm in joburg and i didn't quite make it down to durban this year but i'm interested in in submitting for a collaboration how yeah. long is the submission process going to be open for and can you submit yeah. from anywhere Submission. You can submit it from anywhere, all over the world, as long as the
0: content is pan-African. So we're looking to make contact with filmmakers on the continent because there are all these new platforms that are being created, as in channels that are being created that look specifically to the continent. And and and, I think the Mamas is a great example of the kind of collaborations that can happen between East, West, North, and uh, South Africa. You know, and that they actually we have a lot more in common than we we don't. So um, I think that film needs to follow suit. It needs to follow the exact same kind of model. Engage with people, creative minds that think alike should join forces, and we should start telling stories that are specific to our environment, our location, our experience. And um, and I think the same thing you said for African Americans
2: as well as people on the continent. Maybe that's another, that's another process. <laughs> that's another um, one yeah, of those afro a- But speaking of yeah. Pan-African content and work that, uh-huh. that transcends just South Africa, I know that, uh, two films that are showing at D-Diff, which were also showing in, um, in Cannes, High Youth mm-hmm. and Dianda I know you missed mm-hmm. the screenings, but these are made in South Africa by South African films. And do you know how mm-hmm. those were received? Yes. Um, my partners, went to go see Nectar Youth we um we in
0: fact were with the director, Tibbs. And um a really interesting young uh author in the making, I would say. From what I mean Norman was speaking um Waxing Lyrical about him. So I trust Norman Maguez uh taste. Um he's obviously a cinephile as well because based on what Norman said uh, he could see a lot of references for instance to Fellini's Dolce Vita which of course I think every single filmmaker
2: That's makes some they sort were of
3: raving reference to they the were Dolce
2: Vita raving. when i so, read about it also in Cannes they were raving yeah. about it and the references to Fellini yeah. and 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 self taught pardon the director sibs so, yes. i
0: mean he's a young guy like he's just gotten started um We'll see where he goes. Obviously, everybody's rooting for him. Everybody can't wait to see the second project. Um, and, you know, like Eva DuVernay stay, says, stay shooting. Like So as well as much as you are being so well-received by um, the audience, uh, um, don't buy into it too much. Make sure that you go back and you continue to make your films. So because they will slate you and they will celebrate you. So you have to be somewhere in the middle and trust that you are telling the stories the best way you know how in spite of what people's opinions are, you know and be open to criticism that's the only thing I would say to services you should definitely listen to the people that are criticizing you and see what it is they're pointing out and try to remove yourself personally from it and see does this make sense or not we can't as filmmakers you definitely shouldn't be listening to the people that are like praising you because you're not going to learn from them
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time to come and chat with us. And yes. How long is it until? How long Pardon is it, it all still? How long is the film uh, festival I think it still? ends on Sunday. So
0: the last screening or the closing film is on Sunday. So um, if you're anywhere to to mention, in the country,
2: yeah.
0: I forgot to mention, so to speak about Ayanda, Sarah Bletcher. I mean, Sarah Bletcher is a, an experienced director who's been around for years. And she NYU had Othello Burning. She had Othello burning a couple of years before. She's a, she's an NYU grad. I mean, she's been at this for a while since uh, since the eighties. She's practicing the art of film, so I think Ayanda must have been a well made film, uh, and you would expect nothing less from Sarah.
2: I can't um, wait to see it. I, the stuff I've read about it has been absolutely amazing, but as you say, it's worth the. Is it worth the Kulula ticket down to Durban?
0: It is definitely worth the Kulula ticket. I mean, if if you really just want to feed your soul, if you are a true cinema um, consumer, and cinema, I mean, not Hollywood blockbusters. You're looking for what is on the cutting edge, what stories are people telling out their international stories. America is never going to be um, sh- giving shout-outs to, say, Iranian film because they are like one of the masters in terms of filmmaking, yeah. so you might be able to see something like that here. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is we were associate producers on a queer film called uh, While You Weren't Looking in Partnership with the Art in Africa Film Festival. Uh, my business partner Mahanu Mamabula, that was for her project, and they'd been working on it for three years, and that also debuted on Monday night um, here at Durban. They're going to have another screening. It stars uh, Tishio Tsukumu, who is like, you know, one of the stars from totally hard uh, to Get. And she's just, you know, a rising, I wouldn't even say a rising. She's more established than anything. And she has a power that she brings to the screen, which is really beautiful. And so um, that speaks to our politics as Group Productions. We've always taken uh, queer stories and decided that we, we are going to represent them to, as much as we can on the screen. So that's one of the other films we're busy with. We're hustling, Pumi. We're hustling here. Make it (laughs)
2: happen. Yeah. Well, power to you. And so when you come back, you must definitely bring us that film that debuted. And let's have a conversation. Let's start the conversation about it. Yeah, I will. Thank you, darling, for coming on. Alrighty. Enjoy your presentation.
0: Yeah, thank
3: you. We're going to (laughs) need it. Shut up. Okay. Bye. Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com
2: Yeah, it's one of those days We're super hectic today And from films and feeding your soul To chatting about Something that is on everybody's lips Came out two weeks ago on the 8th of July, on my birthday, who thought? <laughs> Came out two weeks ago, the census by the BWA, Business Women's Association, on leadership, women in leadership in South Africa. It's the most extensive um research that is done about women, about companies. And on the line now, I've got Zanita, who is the lead researcher. Zanita, are you there? Hi. Good. Hi, Lumi. How are you? Thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're out there in P.E. And I hope thank the weather you. is a slightly better than up here in Joburg. But thank you for coming yes, out and chatting good. with me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So I know a little bit about um about the census, having taken part in it a couple of years ago um, as a member of Business Women's Association. But as the researcher, maybe just a little bit of background of why You felt there was a need to do the census. You've been doing it for nine years now?
3: Even though this is
2: the 10th installation, you've been involved for nine years.
3: Yes, I have been. Um, Yes, it was first conducted in 2004 uh, in conjunction with Catalyst, a women research organization in the United States. And since then, it's just taken a life of its own. Uh, We are a decade in and we are able to compare year-on-year results and looking at women in leadership positions in South Africa.
2: And so when I was reading um, some of the stuff and I saw the article that was in the city press on Sunday, when I was reading some of the stuff that people were saying, the only thing I wanted to ask was, is this thing been written? So it sounds like this or is is this how condescending some of these answers were?
3: <laughs> um it just in terms of the um, some of I the mean, statements, I, I read a
2: statement. One of the statements from um, uh, one of the companies that were not in the top actually said that they are very small. And I quote: "They are very small organization. Therefore, everybody they bring on board must add value." And I thought, was this guy listening to himself? Like everybody must add value? Like women don't? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think
3: that's the problem. You know, a lot of organizations. Um, perceive uh, women as tokens within organizations and they don't understand that women in their own right bring their own um, contributions and adding diversity to the boardroom is fantastic and it's good for business. Um, and clearly, clearly those organizations <laughs> at the top with the higher percentages have seen this and they know it. Um, and, and that's basically what this research is about, is getting the word out there and making organizations realize you know, this is important it's good to have a diverse um, group of individuals that make decisions.
2: So you were involved in the analysis of of all the stuff that was asked and you you were involved in compiling the end report. Yes, yes. And do you know where this question is going? Were the answers received... Really, like, were people answering the questions in that way? Do they really not understand what it is that they're saying? Or is it simply because they are, they don't
3: care? They, well, you know, I must say, I, I do believe some organizations don't care. Um, you know, they, they're trying to run their business and they, they just don't care who, you know, who they have on their board and so on. But um a lot of the organizations do care. I mean, you can see that 92% of the organizations did verify the information. They are trying to ensure inclusivity, and we do see the percentages increasing. So, yes, there's a step in the right direction. But, of course, there's still a lot of in behind. Um, and, and this is why this discussion is so important. Um, looking at the percentages, we can now talk about why organizations aren't including. And as you say, you know, some organisations just don't see it as being necessary, um, and 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 we need to find out why and how can we facilitate further inclusion, and and that's what's
2: important. Why is this so fascinating for you? I mean, wh- what is it that makes you want to be part of this research year after year?
3: Uh, I just think it's so beneficial. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. You know that. In this day and age, we're still having this discussion. We're still trying to ensure women are included in organizations. It's actually dumbfounding. Uh, But we have come a long way, and we look at where we were years back, you know, women... On our least a to vote, <laughs> we least a we have <laughs> on, uh, have a right to education. You say uh, that you know,
2: Nita. I was reading. I was reading a thing on crack.com a couple of days yes. ago about how in the 19th century, when when post office women weren't allowed um, to send letters on their own in, through the post office because <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> you see, but at least it's come so a long way. <laughs> we've
3: moved forward slightly. Slightly. Absolutely, and, and hope that in years to come, we'll look back and we'll go, you know what? This research made a difference, and we are, you know, it was part of that era, and it's now done and dusted, and we have parity, yes. and that's what what we hope to achieve. Um, Speaking of become. making
2: a difference, I had a conversation with a young lady earlier when, when I was reading through all of this that I work with, and I, and I said to her, what did she think when she was reading this, and she went, yeah, and then what? <laughs> so just like I read this and I and, and then I was thinking, what does this truly mean? I said, so what is what do you think it means for you? <laughs> um
3: well, you know, it's about the numbers. This is just about the percentages. So so it's good to know. It's good to see where we've come since two thousand and four and we certainly have come a long way. Um So that's what, you know, I like the numbers. And so the numbers mean a lot in terms of that. And then it's good to be able to see where we come from and benchmark against other countries and be able to say, well, this is where we stand. And be proud of, as South Africa, about our achievements in terms of the percentage increase. Where do we stand? I mean, it's not... It's not high <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs>
2: where, but where but I mean, do we stand um, as compared to other countries? I know compared to China which is a similar which is a similar type of economy with ours, we're faring pretty well. but what about first world countries?
3: First world countries you know certain countries for example Norway I mean they've, they've implemented quotas so they're clearly quite far up and they're almost um, at a 40 percent mark. Um, but when, you know, but we're not doing that badly when you look at USA and so on. They're all sort of, and Australia, we're all sort of, Australia's actually quite far behind. We are there. We are up there and we're performing quite well with first world countries. And that says a lot. Although so we says, have
2: also dropped slightly. What, what is the reason for the drop? We've dropped slightly from nine, from 2011. The numbers this year are a little bit lower in terms of top uh, performing companies.
3: Top performing companies. Yeah, well, there's um, the percentages overall have increased, but when you're looking at top performing companies, a slight decrease. It just shows that some organisations have um, possibly, uh, you know, had problems with the economic downturn. You know, there could be many reasons why a certain specific organizations are now not on the top performing list so that that number has gone down. But when you look at it overall, you can see that there has been an increase um, in direct- directorship positions and executive manager positions um, of women. So
2: as a woman reading this, how can I use this for my benefit, the information herein? Sorry, just repeat that again. As a woman, if I'm reading this, um and I'm a senior management, perhaps, uh, yes. in senior management, perhaps, how can I use this tool to benefit my career?
3: Well, I think it's important to, if you're in senior management already, to take it and say, okay, well, what difference can I make um, for other other women Um, And how can I ensure inclusiveness within organizations at senior management level? Um, And and that's been discussions with CEOs and discussions and looking at the organization as a whole and seeing how she made it to the top and and what has she done that's good and and being proud of where she is and um, opening the discussions to understand how she did it can also benefit others in the long term. Um, Yeah, sorry. No, no, you're saying so? So I think it's a, it's important to to um, have an overall view of, of where we stand and then see where we can go from there to ensure that more organizations include women at senior levels and include the diverse, you know, have a diverse boardroom, so to speak.
2: And the top performing organizations, what do they have in common?
3: They had 24. Well, just in terms of being top performing, they had of course twenty five percent or more women in directorship positions and executive manager positions. Um, a lot of them were state owned entities, you know, so they you know, because we looked at the top twenty state larger state owned entities and um so state owned entities are obviously performing better than the um J C listed um companies. And then of course you're looking um at at larger um, main board organizations that are primarily um, top performing companies. So these are the larger corporates
2: um, mm-hmm.
3: that have larger boardrooms, um, so to speak. And and and
2: as businesses, so if I'm out there looking for a job, what what kind of businesses give more opportunity to women? What are the things that I should be looking at in companies that say this company has X Y Z, they are more likely to give my career a, as a woman a better opportunity or give me more chance of getting to the head of the table, as it were?
3: Well, I suppose you should look at, you know, research the company. Look at who the organization is and and how diverse they are, you know, because um, that information is freely available um, at the lectureship level. So you can see who's there. Then you can also look at what benefits they provide. You know, if you go into a job interview and you you um, discussing with the um, HR individual, you ask them what sort of benefits they have, and uh, um, you know, are you being paid the same as your male counterparts? No. Um, these are all these are all important <laughs> things that women don't like to ask, and women preferably like to keep quiet and um, just go with the flow. But I think it's important to stand up for oneself and. And know that you can and do have the right to ask questions um, before you take a job and, um, and, and look at what they're offering you as a person.
2: For sure. And for you personally, um, having gone through this research over the years, what has been the most satisfying, uh, outcome that you have seen over the years?
3: Um, I must say the, you know, the publication, it's, it's, sort of my baby I just you know I think it's an absolute fantastic uh, statistical tool to use um, just in terms of knowing where we came came from since um, the inception in 2004 I think it's um, its it started a lot of topics I see the the research is used across all universities you know the the, the individuals doing their um, theses and so on so I think it's it's, a, it's something that is used a lot, and there's a lot of discussion around it, and I find that very satisfying because it means that it's it's working, that that um, it's creating conversation, and it's pushing forward the topic of women as leaders, and um, and and yeah, I hope it makes a difference, um, particularly for South African women.
2: And Zanita, you're also a mother, <laughs> yes. and in a family and running a business and doing research. So you have quite a lot of things happening in your life as well with the women that you, you interviewed and those top women, how holistic are their lives? Because I think there's a perception that the women that make it all the way to the top don't have all of the other things that most of the women uh, have to worry about, like husbands and children. How true is yeah. that? How true is that? Um, perception. Um.
3: Well, you know, it's obviously when you get to the higher levels in an organisation, you know, I think you have a lot of support. So you'd you'd obviously be able to have individuals that can help you um, with um, your children, and you can afford to have daycare or whatever it might be. Um, So it's all about balance, and it's all about um, ensuring that you are um, happy with where you are and how you are doing it. And I mean, most of the women that are um you know d- leaders are um are mothers and and do have a family and so it's about it's about making sure that you stick stick to your guns and you um say, "Okay well, you know I will be at the boardroom at this time, but I cannot go over that time because I have to fetch my children or whatever it might be and um not being shying away from who you are and what your responsibilities are. Because a woman, you know, don't many have, you know, you, you have to now be a breadwinner besides being a mother and a partner and so on. And so I think it's, it's the perception of a woman who does not have a family or have children is, um, misleading because most of the women do, and they are now managing it. They, Uh, I would say that they're managing it quite well. And it's just about adapting your environment to ensure that you can perform to the best of your ability as well as carrying on with your family and so on.
2: And if anybody can do it, definitely the girls can do it. Thank you so much, Zinita, for for taking the
3: time to (laughs) chat with us. Not a problem. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Keeping it real. On com, Talking about
2: every woman in business with, I'm talking to, I've just been talking to Zanita, who's the lead researcher in the Business Women's Association Women in B- Leadership Census. And now on the line, I've got, uh, the president of the BWA to chat with us about why this very important tool and why BWA has been so involved in it for over 10 years now. Uh, Farzana. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. I know how crazy your diary is.
1: You're most welcome. It's a very important topic.
2: I know how absolutely crazy your diary is. And so thank you very much for taking the time. Is the weather down in Durban amazing?
1: It's actually pouring with rain. (laughs) We've had the most rain, I think, this winter, but we desperately needed it because of the drought. And it's actually quite cold. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank
2: you for, for making the time to chat with me. I do think that this topic is incredibly important, and we've just been chatting with Zanita about some of the outcomes um, as the on the research side. But I think more importantly for me, I want to understand why the Business Women's Association is so interested in doing this research and getting it out there.
1: There's a number of, of reasons why uh, we believe gender inclusivity and, and particularly the importance of having more women in leadership positions um, really impacts the, 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 the uh, state of growth for businesses, for societies, for countries, and for economies as a whole. Uh, for the last 10 years, um, the BWA has recognized that women make up more than 50% of the global population. And in South Africa, we make up more than 51% of the global population. But I'm sure Donita has covered it, that as you go up that pyramid, These numbers reduce dramatically where in your top echelons of of leadership positions, it's 2.4% of CEOs and 9% of uh, chairpersons are women in South Africa. And BWA is very much based on the fact that if we do not measure progress, nothing can be done. But the important question I think that's what you're asking is why do women matter and why having more women in leadership positions – how would that improve uh, an economy, a country, and the well-being of society? The International Labour Organization did a study that indicated that women's productivity worldwide is underutilized by 50% compared to 22% of men. If you look at the last century and the evolution of businesses, societies, and countries, we've been through the Industrial Revolution, we've been through the technological uh, evolution, and what's a clear fact is that people are our greatest asset. People today have more information than presidents had 50 years ago. If you're not fully utilizing your talent and workforce and ensuring that they have high levels of productivity, you will not achieve the performance targets or be competitive globally. In fact, this is being taken so seriously on the international scale that the World Economic Forum itself in 2014 released a gender report that highlight the importance of women's inclusion in leadership positions within countries and economies. And so that we have to wait 81 years before we have gender parity in the workplace. Sure, 81 years. 81 years. And 81 years is not acceptable.
2: But you, and, you run an organization that is for women and about women in business. Yes. This too... How does it assist your members or how does it assist your members in terms okay. of decision making in any way, if at all?
1: So, 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 so the first thing is that you cannot go into a, a listed organization or a leading organization in South Africa and say there needs to be changed if you don't know what change needs to occur and you don't know what the numbers, figures and stats indicate. So the first thing is that this is a benchmark report looking at all JSE listed companies in South Africa, as well as a state-owned entities, the public service, etc. The second thing is that we list the number of companies that have women directors and the number of director positions they hold. We list the number of companies that have no women directors.
2: Speaking of, oh, so this is a tangent, I, and this happens to me. If you were sitting here in front of me, you know I get so excited um, when having these conversations. But tell me. Speaking of the number of women who hold directors, directorships. Yes. One of the things that stands out in the report is that there's actually a lot of recycling of talent. Yes. There's actually only about 500 women, even though there are 900 odd directorships available, there's only about 500 women holding these positions because people are holding two, three, four, up to six directorships per person. What, what is, what is that? mean um, for your organization and how do you you know, try and spread the opportunity around within
1: the organization? Be- what- because we get the opportunity to present these reports in leading forums and we actually get invited into various organizations to speak at, uh, in terms of the results of the reports and even the results get presented in each of the regions. Uh, it's a couple of things. The first is there's 4,000 directorship positions in the country. Mm-hmm. Of that, only 900 are held by women, and like you like, rightfully said, 500 women are holding these, these positions. Part of the challenge is that a number of So less than a quarter, 4,000, Yeah. and less so than less, a quarter, less, 900. Less than a quarter, it's 21%. 21% mm-hmm. are women directors in this country. And and part of, of the challenge is that a number of organizations want experienced directors, so the consideration of, of of introducing or allowing women directors who might have the experience in the qualifications but not have had the opportunity to sit on another board uh, and they're looking for the experienced candidates.
3: So what it highlights
1: <laughs> is that we, we need to have training and development opportunities. We need to say, okay, what are the opportunities that allow men who've never had directorship positions to be given the directorship positions compared to women? What's the difference? Um, Why? uh, What can we do as an organization by discussion with leaders throughout the country in terms of saying, if they undergo mentorship, training, and development to uh, participate at a director level, would that be considered? What type of in-house training and development program do the companies themselves have? Because now we can ask the question. And say, what type of transitioning are you, are you making to ensure that your women managers who are showing a capability, talent, and, and, and desire to sit at a board level are given the opportunity to be trained to be able to participate at that level? Um, is it a question of um, a, a number of, of, of directors already holding the positions, keeping those positions closed and not allowing new uh, blood, a new women to enter in, into those particular fields? So we can have the conversations. It differs from sector to sector, industry to industry, but it allows us now to have the uh, conversations with tangible data. Um, the, the the actual census publication, we've already received reports from some of the, I mean, orders from some of the leading organizations in the country. We're well supported uh, by the broader business community, and um, it actually um, is, is, is a, an important tool that is then used by organizations to start creating change. Because in addition to the statistical data, we've got a lot of um, information in terms of important factors that that would be attributed to success in diversity strategies. We've included a global view section. We've included information on legislation. We've included entrepreneurship, which is seen as a key a uh, driver for, for economic growth in any country. Um, we've in included even the education and healthcare care sector because those are two sectors very important to women. They're having good quality education for all citizens in the country and, and how many women are actually in leadership positions in universities. So we specifically looked at the high education sector.
2: Mm. We, we
1: also looked at healthcare care uh, because the two biggest costs of any emerging economy, generally education and health care, and we then said, okay, what is the proportion of uh, gender inclusivity in the leading healthcare organizations in the country? And we've included a healthcare opinion piece uh, because we wanted to see what, how are women influencing these two important sectors.
2: And tell me, Fazana, for a, a company, why should they even look at the stuff? What's in it for them? If, if you're a company and you're not in the top performing, maybe you weren't even part of the survey, mm-hmm. Why is it important for them to see this report, read this report, get a presentation about it? Why is it important for the company? I can see why it's important for for the organization, but for other companies, why is it important?
1: It's important because if women make up over 50% of your intake level, so at your junior levels within your organization – but you aren't able to retain a similar proportion in your leadership uh, in your leadership positions. You need to ask yourself, are you retaining top talent? Because if other organisations are able to retain their top talent, are able to get diverse views into their boardrooms, women today make up more than eighty percent of consumers of products and services. So the people that you are interacting with as a company, the people that are going to be your buyers, the people that are going to be your suppliers, a greater proportion of them are women. And If you do not understand their buying decisions or their selling decisions or how, what is the best way to do business in terms of a diverse population, then you are not going to be able to, to com- compete on an international scale. It's part of the reason why a number of countries have also legislated a minimum number of women on board. I, I know, because Germany is
2: legislated, Norway is legislated. Yeah, they, and
1: and most recently, Japan. So we have even seen an eastern country now, now start legislating a minimum number of, of, of women in board positions. And the reason they've done it is because they've realized that over the last century, if, and, and, and we, we can't underestimate this, how much women have entered the workforce over the last century. And that in the 1940s and 50s, the opportunities available to women were very limited. Now you've got a hungry, highly talented, highly motivated workforce in women that are saying, I'm prepared to work hard. I'm prepared to invest in my training and development. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to become an expert in my field. Now, if an organization is not clever enough to capitalize on the talent, then set up a work environment that, is, that, is, that allows high productivity. I mean, one of the things I say is that over the last century, business rules haven't even changed in the sense that a lot of work can now be done remotely because of technology. And it's more about saying, how do I get the most out of my employees in an eight-hour day, a work day, rather than they actually be physically at work for that time? So if you're not starting to think about alternate work practices, if you're not starting to think about how do I get high productivity, so that my workforce is motivated and high-performing, and that has a direct impact on your bottom-line results. And if you're not asking those questions, exploring different strategies... And if you continue to do business as usual, <laughs> we are in a highly competitive world. And
2: so your business is busy going out of business?
1: It's not Business as usual is no longer practical. It, 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 it's no longer applicable. It means that you're not challenging your current way of, of operation. And if you, if you do not bring in the diversity into the leadership positions, I mean, another thing I see is, is, is to a lot of these organizations is, do you know how many business deals close in women-related events?
2: Yeah, And, and, you know, so that's how many businesses get closed at women centered events, you know, and I'm looking at I love the fact that one of the tables you have in the report is actually a name and shame of sorts (laughs) with companies that the the bottom uh, companies or not so performing companies. But what, what, what that then, have you had any response from these guys? Like when they see this report come out, do they come back to you and say, hey, we recognize that there's a problem here. Can you assist us in changing this?
1: Some of them do have over the years and some of them have progressed off that list. Um, some of them have come back and said, look, it's the nature of the industry and, um, you know, uh, the, the women are not interested in, in progressing in this particular business. Um,
3: the
2: Alexander
1: Forbes issue
2: floored me. Alexander Forbes floored me. I think somebody must talk to them.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, some, <laughs> of, some, some of them um, we, we have not yet engaged with. So, so the reports just recently being in, uh, released, those are part of the plan would be to start engaging with them um, and, and sharing, sharing the results with them uh, for, for commentary. Um, but the reality is that if they, do not, if they do not start considering changing or at least tabling it at a board meeting for strategy discussion to say, how, how is this going to impact our business? Um, have we thought about our, our inclusivity strategy? Um, I can see, I mean, they said in, in 10, 20 years' time, um, you're going to be behind the curve. Mm-hmm. Do you it, And is
2: this then a tool that Perhaps is it something I can look at As a business person or A career, a, a woman in a career That's I wanting to advance my career yeah, Is think, this something that I should be Looking at and going well there's an opportunity there Or alternatively Stay away from those people
1: No, I would encourage all Women to actually read, read The publication because It gives you interesting contextual Data even if it does not directly impact you, it's going to impact your children, particularly your girl children in the future. And you need to understand... What do you what, mean by that? What do you mean by that? Because it will impact the choices they make. So it's important to understand um, if you're looking at creating opportunity for, for your daughters in which sectors, in which industries, what are, what are, what are the, some of the tools for success? So a lot of the um, a quali- uh, a qualitative data around the statistics are are important to women in business. So where we speak about entrepreneurial leadership and what is the views of entrepreneurial leaders and saying what does it take to be successful uh, today in business, what are the challenges, what are the obstacles, how do you overcome it? If you're looking at it from a global perspective, we've listed some of the top um, CEOs globally from a Fortune 500 company perspective and in the context of, of what's happening from a transformation and what are these leadership tips We've also included the success stories of 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 um, 17 leaders who we believe in inspire and empower as they lead, and we've particularly included men this year, five male leaders to understand their perspective on women's contribution in the workplace. So, is this how does what does it look like this
2: document, and how, where does one get it?
1: Okay, in terms of the doc, the document's about 176 pages. Yikes! Yeah, (laughs) it's beyond just, as I said, it's beyond just the statistical data. There's actually uh, a lot of interesting data that gives you economic perspectives, things to consider in in, in, in changing um, uh, global environments, important sectors that, uh, that, that are key. The stories are exceptionally interesting in terms of the leadership tips, uh, the the publication you can you can access our publication by contacting us on double one four eight four four nine four five. You can email us on info at bwasa.co.za. We are selling the hard copy publication at uh, 350 N. We also have an ebook um, version that is available at um, 185 N it's available from our online store which makes it a lot easier to to purchase um you can visit our store at www.bwasastore.com um and it can be delivered to you um and yeah and so uh, uh the feedback we received from the market is that it's an it's um it's very valuable from a data content perspective And importantly, it's got a lot of interesting information that is relevant to women in business, irrespective of what position you hold. Vasana, before I let you go, I just very
2: quickly, a little bit about your organization. So is your organization only for women who own businesses or can any woman who works join the organization? I, I
1: normally get asked this question and it's normally, is it only for women in leadership? No, the Business Women's Association is one of the largest and most prominent associations of business and professional women in the country. Uh, we have over 11,000 members and subscribers, and we focus on women that are in the entry level as well as women all the way through in the leadership in various sectors. So we operate in, in seven regions. Um, for, for women in entry-level and middle management positions, we have uh, multiple workshops that are run uh, monthly that can focus on anything from HR to marketing and branding uh, to finances, uh, there's entrepreneurial workshops, networking. We recognize the achievement of women. We have mentorship. We have research and advocacy through the South African Women in Leadership Census. Um, And the idea is to provide women with the tools they require to succeed in the workplace. And I say there's four areas that women generally need to focus on. The one is their business credibility. The second is knowledge or being an expert in their field. And the third is actually to leverage strong networks. Because without a strong network, you, you cannot succeed. And the BWA programs are geared to, to support women in these areas.
2: Fantastic. And anybody can join. If you are Anyone in the join. workplace, you can join. And no age limits, Everybody from beginner all the way to the end. Yes. And you in seven regions. Does that Are those regions
1: province-specific? Yeah, it's province-specific. So we're in uh, Cape Town, uh, Durban, in East London, in Port Elizabeth, in Johannesburg, in the Gauteng, and in Zululand.
2: And in Zululand. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Mm-hmm. And your um, website, again, is www.bwa.co.za.
1: Bwasa.co.za. B-W-A-S-A. Yeah. Yeah. You've That's got to the add idea. the
2: South Africa. It's so important. Yes,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> thank you very much, Fazana, for chatting with us, and thank you for, really, thank you for taking the leadership role. I think ten years in, you're still showing commitment to putting the tool out there, to to getting the research out there, and I love the fact that it can help. It can help us as mothers help our daughters to fare better in the work environment. Oh, so while we're still do, we're still fighting the fight, we can at least hope that the girl the girls coming up in the next generation have a better fighting chance.
1: No, definitely, and thanks so much, Pumi. I can say it's a great team effort, and it's a fantastic organisation to be a member of, um, and it really gives you access to, to some phenomenal platforms, information, networks, and new friends.
2: Thank you, my dear. Stay Speak dear. to you soon.
1: Thanks. Bye. The work
2: coming out of the BWA is absolutely amazing. Some of the statistics that came out of there were astounding to me. And it still blows my mind to think that we're having conversations that say, can women add value in the workplace? We definitely can add value in the workplace. And thank you for joining me this week. And thank you for listening in. If you have any comments. Download the podcast, send me comments on, I'm on Facebook, I'm on social, on every social platform you can think of. I'm Pumi Shekho and you've been listening to Womanza.